A lot of emotion when I always come back to speak here in my heart because I have such a great love for the church. I want to thank the elders for letting me speak this morning and for helping to oversee my work the last 10 or 11 years in Ukraine. I want to thank the missions committee who has always stood behind me and encouraged me at every opportunity. And I want to thank Spencer. I want to thank Spencer for coming to serve this church as your preacher and how very proud I am because I know, despite what Daryl thinks, that he does an absolutely wonderful job. By the way, if they don't tease you a little, and Spencer knows this as a preacher, you better be looking for another place to go. God bless the Valley View Church of Christ. I've got to get started with why I'm here or I won't get finished. And the young people will all be saying, why are we bringing back that old guy to talk again? I had my 65th birthday in Ukraine, in, in Romania on March 17th. And I was blessed to be around the preacher, his wife, and 14 Ukrainians who had no idea how to sing happy birthday in America. They couldn't speak a word, so I... I was blessed to have my birthday song sung in Ukrainian while the, two, the preacher's wife and I listened. That was a tremendous blessing for me also. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. If I'm preaching a sermon this morning, then that's the sermon. I said to the crowd at the early service after Spencer had denigrated me and run me down, I said, that's the best sermon you will ever hear from this pulpit, including myself or anyone else who comes or my dear friend Spencer. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. If you believe that and act upon it, you will live eternally with God. If you fail to take that to heart and believe that passage of Scripture, then you will not have the promise of eternal life. I hope you will. It's good to see the young people and the younger people. and We love the children, don't we? Yes, we do. Good to see my friend Mitchell, who led our singing this morning in such a fine way. And this is a wonderful singing church. Ukraine Refugee Relief, March 2022. The Romanians really started this, but then a brother in town called me and said, I've been looking at the map. Don't you work in Kluge? What can we do? And from there... I called the brethren in Romania and found out they'd already received a few refugees early on in the war. And we said, what can we do? And it's grown quite a bit since then. Let me go through some series of slides and then let me give you a little summary of numbers. So the sermon is in two parts. The slides are also in two parts. What we've done in the city of Cluj with refugees we've brought from the border. And what we've done in Ukraine, we weren't able to do this when we first got there, but we've made more contacts with the churches in Ukraine. And so I want to tell you in the second part what we've done in Ukraine. 
Ah, come on now, there we go. That's me and Greg Hogue. Uh, we are um, landing in Bucharest, and we are preparing to go on our way to our final destination in Cluj. Greg went with me on this trip. He's giving his version of this report at Hoxie this morning. Ah, I'm going to have to see that. Forget this thing. I never could work that. That's Paul Thornton. I was talking to him at 1030 last night. There's, you, there's, there's Romania. I'm going to say, I'm going to say most of y'all didn't know much about Romania. Uh, it's called the Bokeh State or the Bokeh Country, if you'll look at that. And pretend your hands are around that and turn it up. It looks like a bouquet. It's also called the fish country. I think you can see why it's called the fish country. Right here is Kluge. My hand's grown shaky, but right in that area is Kluge. Right here is Saget, the border crossing nearest us, three hours away, six hours round trip. Right here is Soret, six hours one way, 12 hours round trip in a car. And that's where we've been picking up people at the border, at those two places, mostly at Saget. Gonna switch. Oh, I gotta point it back here. Where am, there we go. Right here is Ukraine. And here's the border where Ukraine and Romania connect. So many have gone to Poland right here. Their bigger cities are closer. They don't want to go to Belarus because they're friends with the Russians. In fact, they drove their tanks into Kiev out of Belarus. Here's Maripol, the city of 450,000 people that now exists 100,000 people with no water, no food for several days. And when they sent hundreds of buses from the Salvation Army yesterday, the Russians stopped their convoy and did not allow them to go in and pick the people up. They are in a desperate condition in Maripol. But here is Liev, uh, Liev, as they say. It's the closest big city in Romania. Most of the refugees we've been picking up are from this part of the country. Okay? I think here is Kiev, just right in here somewhere. Okay? That's the capital city. All right, let's see if we can continue on with a little his, historical and geographic information there. These are taken off the internet by Greg. I used some of his slides. The one on the left shows uh, the desperation of people as they huddle in their basement while bombing is going on in the war. The second, uh, I believe to be um, people who are gathering in the train station trying to flee, but it could be people gathering into the subway who are preparing to ride out bombs in their city. But Whichever it is, you can see the mass of humanity that's trying to escape what's going on in Ukraine. Paul, I'm aiming it and pushing it. There we go. Here's a picture that I thought uh, sets the scene pretty well. I, there's a house burning down uh, from a bombed out area. I don't know if the older woman lived in the house or not, but you can see she's very distraught. If you lived there, you'd be extremely distraught, not only from fear of the bombing, but to see your house burning up. The picture on the right is maybe the most, one of the most touching pictures I will show you today. 
It's a man whose hand is raised up to say goodbye to his infant daughter. You can see the infant daughter's face if you look closely, but as you look behind her, you can't really see the mother. But the mother and the infant daughter or the infant child are on the, are on the train, and the father is waving goodbye, and I believe the mother is holding the child up to the window. You know that in Ukraine, all of the men 18 to 60 cannot leave. They're, they are subject to conscription. That doesn't mean they've all been conscripted into the army yet, but they are subject to it, and they are not allowed to leave, except if they have special health problems. And so you may see a few older men in some of these slides. Our work begins. We're going to start with a visit to the border at Saget. This is where we first started picking up people. You don't see any people there much because you just see the guards. If I could turn around and shoot the other way, you'd see hundreds of people, but they wouldn't let cameras any closer than that. There's Drago. She's the hardest working preacher I know in Romania. I've got to get that, po that pointer won't go that far. Right there he is. That's Dragos. I tell you, 15 hours a day and still going. When they call at 5 in the morning to go pick someone up at the train station, he's still going. And you see refuge scattered about him. There we go. That's a, one of our first days to go, and we just made a sign in Ukrainian and Hungarian, Ukrainian, Romanian, and uh, English that said Church of Christ, because we knew some people that crossed that border would be members of the church, and they were, and we began to make contacts. Now, that doesn't mean we haven't helped a lot of other people. We have. That's the final refugee picture as they cross the border. Um, that's a typical picture of a family coming across, women and infants and children. I'm going to talk to you the next few minutes about housing, transportation, feeding, teaching, and medicine. And they may be a little mixed in, but that's what I'm going to talk about. There we are picking up two young people who have fled. They're either at the bus station or the train station, and we're bringing them back to the building. All activities include were conducted in the church building. The church building, a bathroom, and a classroom about the size of your college age room, of the college room, about that size in square footage. And so we brought those two people back. Here's a family leaving in the night. Dragos, again, is out of bed, and he's going to take this family and some of their friends who had fled to Kluge, and we had picked them up at the border and brought them back. So they rode in two cars for a three-hour trip back from the border. By the way, as we talk about this driving back to the border, I want you to remember that gas in Romania is between eight and eight and a half dollars a gallon. It's always been higher than it is in America, but that's what it is right now, between eight and eight and a half dollars a gallon. Uh, this family was such a blessing. Now I wanna show you we're feeding people. I want to talk about that a minute. Everybody who stays with us in the houses that we have rented and the apartments that we have rented, they're fed three times a day because they don't have any place else to go for food. They don't know anybody in Kluge. Let me pause a minute there. They're coming to Kluge so that they can find a train, plane, or bus and get on to somewhere else in Europe where they know somebody, a friend, some of their relatives, 
They don't know us. They leave loving us, and, we, and they leave with us loving them. And great connections have been made between the Kluge Church and every Ukrainian that's come through. That's a group of Ukrainians eating a meal. This is a group of Ukrainians eating a native meal. You notice some McDonald's in the last one. They surprised us, that last group, and we had to order quickly. Yes, we have a McDonald's. Then this is a group eating native food. Lots of bread, uh, lots of sausage, and lots of other wonderful treats, and some, I don't know what they are. There they are eating again with my friend Greg Hogue. I may be in some of these, but I can't see me. And here is a group of Ukrainians eating. Now, we, we feed them three times a day. We cook at least one or two of those meals every day, and then we have a restaurant that will bring us food at a discounted price for one meal a day. But this meal was prepared by the Ukrainians. Y'all see something green? I don't know if that'll show that. Anyway, it was an interesting meal. All right, there's a man named John Durham. He goes to the Brentwood Church in Nashville, Tennessee. I had no idea he was coming. He was looking for a container uh, that was supposed to land in Ukraine but was diverted because of the war, and then it went to Constanza and Romania, and I think it's sitting out in the bay somewhere, but it has not landed yet. But he believes that it will eventually. When he couldn't find the container, he went back and uh, decided he would come to Cluj and help us where the work was. Cluj is the closest town in Romania with the Church of Christ to the border of Ukraine. And that's why all these people are coming here. John is teaching Ukrainians. I'm not going to back it up. Yeah, I did. John is teaching these Ukrainians with a translator that's next to him who speaks both U Ukrainian and English. And he's teaching them the Bible. It's a voluntary class. They don't have to come. Eastern European Mission has sent us Bibles and children's Bibles in Ukrainian. And, and here is a little boy sitting outside the building reading the children's Bible. And a little girl with her children's Bible in the bottom of the sack. And as well as some other gifts that we bought for the small children. Um, yes, the man on the left came... And started his journey, his escape with crutches that he needed to walk on. Along the way, in the mass of people and in the confusion, he lost his crutches. What did we do? We took your money and other people's money and bought him some crutches. And then the story that moves Spencer so much, the lady on the left in the black, she's holding her child. That child is autistic. By the time they arrived, he was out of medicine. Serena found out the kind of medicine he needed. That's the preacher's wife. She went to three drugstores who all said, we, don't, we can't give you that. We can't give you that medicine. It's a little different in Romania. There, I think the pharmacists have a little more authority than they do in America. She finally went to a fourth drugstore, explained the situation almost in tears. I think she would have went to, to kept going to ever store in, 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 in Cluj if she would have had to. By the way, Cluj is a city of about 600,000 people, a college town. She's holding her boy who has autism and needed the medication. On her fourth trip, 
She secured the medication because of the tenderness of heart of the pharmacist and brought it back and delivered it to that young boy. We also established a food bank. That's our classroom on the right, and that's our baptistry on the left. Yeah, I got that right. Um, This was the Romanians' idea, not mine or Greg's or the Americans. They said, there's a whole bunch more Ukrainians in this town that have been brought here and just left, just let off the bus or let off the train. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they've gone, but they're out there somewhere in the city. Maybe they're staying with a family. Maybe they've been taken in by some organization. Maybe they're just staying with some friends. We don't know where they're at. So one of our members said, and I'll show you that member in a minute, let's create a food room for Ukrainians only, and, and, and let's make a Facebook page. And so that idea was birthed on Friday, on Saturday. We went to Metro, I'll show you that in a minute, which is their version of Sam's Club. We bought food to fill it up. We went to a fresh air market and bought fresh vegetables. By, the night, by Sunday night, uh, they had the website up, or the Facebook page up, excuse me. And the next mo- first day, without a Facebook page on Sunday, we had about 10 or 12. The next day, we had about 100 people, and we've been averaging over 100 Ukrainians a day since that time. We've served 1,811 people out of this food room since March the 20th, and that was through Friday. And the Romanians thought of that. Well, now we've been on this side of the border. We're housing them and we're feeding them and they're staying a day or two or three and then moving on to another destination and they're followed by some more and it's like an ever-revolving circle. I can't remember most of them's names. Now we're going to start over the border because we met a man on some of our trips who was a preacher and I'll introduce him to you in a minute. His name is Alexandra. He was in a very persecuted area in eastern Ukraine, the Donbass area. And he left because he was scared. Everyone has flee, uh, flee, fla- gotten out of that area. I can't mess the English teachers up. Uh, he's gotten out of that area, and, and, and everyone else in the church that he served has either gotten out of that area or gone underground because it's, because it's so heavily bombed. We would meet him in a few days. This is our first trip across the border. That's on an old wooden bridge. I don't want to bore you too much, but it's really, really old. The man on the left is TB. TB started coming to church quite some time ago, and he comes regularly. Um, He's one of those people who is a member of the church, I believe, but it's uncertain about his baptism. So he's perfectly content. We've talked to him about that. He's sure of his baptism. And so if he's sure of it, I'm sure of it until he's not. He, TB comes all the time, but he doesn't take any part until this event. He's the man who said, let's start a food room. And Dragos the preacher said, I like that idea. And I said, the Americans have sent some money. Let's do it. TB is the man driving the car for the first time going across the border with another Romanian with him. First one to go across the border and deliver food on the other side. His car was packed full. There Greg and I are delivering medicine to the back of a car. 
of one of our church members, that's Raul on the far right. He's a translator when I preached there and when Greg preached there last week or two weeks ago. He is with one of his colleagues from work who carries medicine, transports it to another man she has confidence in, and the medicine is carried into Kiev and other bombed out areas uh, to help them. Medicines, tourniquets, uh, they're especially in need of antibiotics, and that's most of the medicine we have bought. She's not the only one who does, but she was the first one we found. I estimate we've spent over $10,000 on medicine just in the last two weeks to carry to these people. And we responded to the Romanian, uh, to the Ukrainian Christians we knew who were calling us from these areas and were, and were Facebooking us and were saying through translators, we need antibiotics for wounds. Keep going. Humanitarian aid. There we are at the Sam's Club, except it's called the Metro, and all that food you see there the next morning at 5 o'clock in the morning would leave in a, in a trailer and a car, car pulling the trailer. They would take most of it that day to a Ukrainian orphanage. This orphanage has been there a long time. Uh, but there are other kids there now. We don't see all the kids here. We just see some of them. Most, or many of them are tiny or small or sick or whatever back in, the, back in the orphanage itself. We don't show you the building because they didn't want us to show you the building. Uh, Russians have a unique way of finding out uh, where buildings are if they can spot them from the air. And uh, you know what they did to the theater. You know what they did to the school all in the last couple of weeks. They bombed it intentionally even though they'd taken chalk and in big letters that you could read from the sky, written children and school outside the building. So we don't show you the building. And I'd ask you to be, not that there's much chance it could ever get back to anybody, but to be careful with lifting any of this from this presentation and putting it on Facebook. At that orphanage, you'll see a man here that came, don't play it yet, oh, go ahead, Paul. Go ahead. It's a little grainy. This is Alexander, the man from the east who preaches, who was driven out to the west. He's coming up on the children at the orphanage. They're listening to a man teach. I could watch that over and over again. Those kids love him. And that's one of the things that make me know this is a real person who's really loved and who's really done work in Ukraine. Some of those kids are from a different orphanage in the east. And he managed to get out of that orphanage while their bombs were falling all around them and take them to the second orphanage. Romania is the size of Kansas. Ukraine's a little bigger. They don't have a lot of churches. Ukraine has way more than we do in Romania. But in Romania, every Christian knows about what's going on in every other church. We don't hardly know what's going on across town, and that's just the way it is, not a bad thing. But their churches are 15 or 20 or 25 people, and I tell you, when they get together, it's an amazing thing to watch, the love 
and the joy they have for one another. But those Ukrainians, I'm sure, knew about the bombing of that orphanage, and they saw that somehow those little children were transported in difficult and dangerous ways out of there and to the second or orphanage. So we're taking our food to two different orphanages. There I am just standing by some diapers, just standing there. That's what I do. I stand. All right, and then we went to the second visit into the Ukraine. We've made nine visits now. This is the second one. Some of them were after I left. Making more every day. We still go to the border to pick people up and bring them back. Drago still gets up at 11 o'clock every night, 5 o'clock every morning, goes to the train station and sees if there are any Ukrainian refugees that don't have any place to go. And almost every night he brings some home. He gets up after working all day at 11 o'clock. Well, he didn't even go to sleep at 11. And then he gets up at 5 and goes to the train station. That's different from Saget. Saget is three, three hours away. Train station is just 20 or 30 minutes uh, if there's a lot of traffic. Uh, I want to go back to that last one, Paul, if you can make it happen. Um, that's just a typical Ukrainian city before it was bombed out. Let's go forward now. Okay. There they are with the wagon and the car pulling it. I estimate there were 6,000 pounds of food in the back of that car. It is a station wagon. It was stuffed full. And then the wagon itself is a very heavy-duty wagon, and it was absolutely stuffed full. You'll notice that they are beside a building with a little blue sign up there. If you could see that little blue sign, it would say, Chernitskvi, Church of Christ. Fine-looking building, big building. We found thus far, as of this morning, three churches of Christ that we have worked with in taking food to. This was the first one, and right smack dab in the middle of that picture is this little short guy here named Alexander. He's the one that was driven out of his city. He's the one that preached, but he knows all these other Ukrainians. He's the one who brought the orphans from the orphanage that was being bombed over to where the other orphanage was. He's the one that is very beloved in that country, and he has helped us tremendously to know that we know that we know that every dime we spend is getting to where it needs to go. And so we are very thankful for him. Let's see what else we got here. Okay, that's them just unloading the trailer at that church. Here's the Gorbanov family. I have trouble with their words, but Gorbanov family. Uh, the lady and the child on the right, you can see the child looks very unhappy. You, you, you young people probably look unhappy too if someone bombed your house and then you had to leave your dad and your mom and you got into a car with a bunch of strangers you didn't know and rode six hours to a city you'd never been to before that you didn't even know probably existed on the map because Romanians don't speak Ukrainian and Ukrainians don't speak Romanian unless they've studied it especially they're two very different languages but what about the man on the right young people what do y'all think's happening to that man on the right young people yeah being baptized being baptized that's his daddy the boy on the left's daddy being baptized the mother became a Christian about nine years ago. Her name is Elvira Gorbanov. 
I don't know her boy's name, and I don't know her husband's name. I can't remember them. Just about done, only about three more slides. She was already gone when her husband decided to be baptized. She got word at the Kluge Church building. We're transporting her from the border right now with her little boy. And she gets word, and you notice who's doing the baptizing. It's our friend that keeps popping up, Alexander. And he's baptizing the man into Christ. And what a joyous celebration there was among the Ukrainians, most of whom didn't need, you know, we didn't know what was going on when, when she started crying. And then all the Ukrainians started hugging her and having a joyous look on their face. And then they told us her husband had been baptized after nine years. Seven people have been baptized in that church. We've also been to the congregation at Ivano Frankis and at Lee, uh, it's hard to say, Lviv, L-V-I-V, which is the biggest city in the West and has been bombed, but we sent men who were willing to take their chances in the last few days. I never asked them to go over the border. They go because they want to. Greg went over the border one time, but not very far, and of course I would have went, but I had to watch the boxes. All right, let's see, I got one more, I think. No, I had two more. Worth every minute. That little girl is a Ukrainian refugee. She attached on to Greg. She would run up and hug him every time she saw him. And he got this picture of her. He just fell in love with her. Ah, The lady we saw a minute ago, Elvira, had told us when she got there, the most, I can barely read that, the most expensive thing we have is our faith. She'd lost her house, she'd left behind her clothing, everything was tattered and torn in her town, everything was basically destroyed. The pictures, her life. But she said she learned through all of that and I think one of the things she meant is that not the most expensive, but the most valuable thing we have is our faith. More valuable than all those possessions. I thought that at first. And then I thought, no, she chose just the right word. Because her faith had been very expensive to her. But it was more important than the house, and it was more important than the pictures. And you can imagine someone who speaks like that and then finds out a few days later that her husband has been baptized in Christ. And I want to tell you of the people we've helped, every one of them thankful, every one of them growing in Christ. Now this is going to take about one minute, and I'm done. Here are the numbers. And that'll bore some of you to death, but surely you can stay for one minute. 322 adults and children have been housed, fed, transported, and taken care of at the Kluge Church. Of these, 215 of them were transported from the borders at Saget and Surrett. 198 of them have been housed from one to four nights, and a few longer than that. There have been 1,434 hot meals served. This is as of last Friday. 
There have been 186 people who once they got there and got in the house, when they got ready to leave, we had to take them to the train station or the bus station or the plane station. In any case, about a 15 or 20 minute drive each way. That wasn't a big deal except when you consider that there's a preacher there, there's a preacher's wife there, there's one other lady that works there, doesn't get paid, just has come to work. And there's two older ladies who come to sweep and wash the dishes at the end of the day or at the beginning of the morning, and sometimes both. That's a, that, that, there are two or three other members, but they're, in their, they're very, very old, or they have public work. That five people with Greg and yours truly, and remember, well, I'm not going to say that again. Five, five people running a food room with 100 people a day, fixing, 1400, fixing preparing, and serving 1,434 hot meals in a four-week period, housing 322 adults and children, driving them over the city when they need to go, providing them with translation. We have had many of the Ukrainians who volunteered and would take no pay in order that they might translate for us the two or three days that they were there and God has provided. If we must hire a translator, though, we will because it's absolutely essential. And so that's the story. And we want to thank you for your prayers and for your financial support. I forgot to extend the invitation and... and uh, Spencer did a great job, caught him by surprise, and he got up and blubbered around a little bit, and then he gave the invitation. But anyway, he did a really good job. <clears throat> For God so loved the world, that'd be you and you and you and you and you. Does anyone need to come to God? Does anyone need to be baptized? Well, I'm going to later. You and you and you and you and you and you do not have the promise of one more breath and neither do I. So you can play that game if you want to, and you can miss out on the love of God, and you can miss out on the grace of God, and you can miss out on the joy of Christianity, and maybe you'll still live long enough to get baptized. If all oh, little children, where's me a little girl? Is that a little girl right there? Oh, look at that little baby. Look at that little girl. Hi, I'm David. I hope I don't scare you. Sometimes I love the children. Sometimes I scare the children. Jesus loves y'all. Y'all are safe with Jesus. Just like your mommy and dad loves you so very much. The baby's asleep like most of y'all. The, the little girl, she's thinking, well, hmm. What about that? Are you going to be baptized today if you need to? Don't come if you don't need to. Don't come if you don't want to. But if you need to and you want to. The invitation's yours as together we stand inside.